0: worship team was singing today and what was on my heart that just, I don't know, it almost did something to me this morning was how great is our God? How great is our God? And when you think about that, when I think about that, it nearly brings me to tears because he's been extremely great to me. And I think that we can all Agree, in some area of our of our life, God has been extremely great to us. So, um, as we begin this um, this or this Women's Month, we started with the topic of deeply rooted, and it has been a month for me because there's been a lot of planning and a lot of preparation, and um, just a lot of reflection on this. I, I don't believe that God ever has me before you guys without reflecting over my own life. And as I reflect, sometimes that brings me to tears too because we have to truly be honest with ourselves. And when we're honest with ourselves, sometimes it hurts. Um, but thankfully, we have a God who is forgiving. Thankfully, we have a God that is tremendously um, merciful and the more I reflect the more he allows me to grow in that area and um, as pastor Calvin has said um, this is next year is a year for growth um, and Minister Ashley was talking about um, our comfort zone and they were both touching on areas that I definitely intend to talk to you guys about today but Um, I I don't know, just reflecting on that has, I don't know, it just allowed me to just marvel in his greatness. So I'm so grateful to be here before you guys today. Um, Thank you for listening to me, even if you came and you didn't know I was speaking. Thank you (laughs) for being here. Um, I want to give honor to my husband, who is the head of this house, Pastor Calvin, Um, and to our WordsWay family. I love you guys and I appreciate you guys um, for all that you do uh, for WordsWay. So Um, I'm just going to jump right in. I'm not much of a speaker, but um, as I continue to allow God to use me, he keeps pushing me and pushing me out of my comfort zone, and this is definitely one of them. So um, my topic for today is these are my confessions. And when we hear that word confession, most of our skin probably crawls, and we want to go hide somewhere because we all have things that um, are buried beneath the surface of our life or tucked away in a closet or in the corner of dark rooms. But like I said, as I was um, going through this month, Women's Month, and reflecting over Deeply Rooted as a topic, um, I had to think about the things, one of the questions for the panel, um, what are some things that keep us from being deeply rooted? And as I was thinking about this and praying about this, God— Put this picture in my mind of a plant a tree anything you know that has roots that grows into the ground and as I was picturing this thing I saw layers and barriers between the soil and the roots if you can picture that I don't know my mind I don't know but I'm like okay God what are you what are you trying to say here like what are you trying to show me and I don't, I'm not a planter, I'm not a gardener, so I really don't know much about soil or fertilizer or planting or anything like that, so I had to go to Google. And as I began to look you know, up these images of um, roots and, and what keeps them from being rooted, what keeps them from truly growing and blossoming into their full potential, I ran across this image. And in this image, it had two separate um, depictions of what roots are. Um, Pastor And if you can put that next slide on the screen. As you guys see here, um, there's two images here. Uh, One of them is deeply rooted, if you could call it that. And the other one is struggling at the top on the right side. And as I looked at this and just began to read, you know, what was going on in this picture, I'm like, wow, like that's us. But what this image is, is an image of compacted soil on the right side. The left side is soil that is good soil, good soil structure. And on the right, it shows a picture of compacted soil. So what is compacted soil? Like, why are you like, God, what are you, what are you doing here? What are you trying to show me? So as I begin to read, um, I'm gonna read this briefly. Um, skipping through a little bit, but it says that compacted soil um, compaction results when soil particles are pressed together, reducing spore space and aeration, which is just the ability for things to move through it and air. Um, the damage of the soil structure reduces the soil's ability to hold and conduct water, nutrients, and oxygen. The rate of the water infiltration is decreased and more water is lost to runoff. Other effects of compaction include decreased organic matter, poor drainage, increased erosion and nutrient leech- nutrient leaching, leech- excuse me. And as I read that to you, it's probably a bunch of mumbo jumbo, but I could see us in our Christian life in each one of these areas when we are confronted with why we have roots that are not penetrating the soil. So as I began to think and God began to reveal, there are a couple of reasons why we have this issue of compaction, why we have soil that is compacted and not allowing nutrients to grow through it. And one of them is simply not living in the light. Another one is not allowing water to infiltrate through our lives, the living water, which is the Holy Spirit. And the last one is silence or denial, which is trying to be something that we're simply not because we're trying to hide who God created us to be. And as I begin to, like I said, look through this, other effects of compaction, decreased organic matter, portraying something that we're not, um, decreased organic matter, poor drainage, not allowing the waste to be released, um, increased erosion, just rotting from the inside, and nutrient leaching, which is just grabbing on to any and everything that we can grab onto that's not Christ. Anything to get nutrients besides the source, because this compaction won't allow us to get to the source. It continued to say that these undesirable effects of the soil directly affect plant growth. Roots have increased difficulty when penetrating the soil, which often results in reduced root growth and ability to take up water and nutrients. Compacted soils soils can cause short and stunted plants. Severely compacted areas often have sparse growth and are bare due to these problems. So as I went through all of this, and I'm like, okay, guys, so what, what is the compacted soil in our life? Like, you've given me all of this, but what does this mean? How can I, like, relay this to your people? And he told me that our compacted soil in our life is the lack of confession, our lack of confession in our life. And, of course, um, we have acknowledged that God is our Lord and Savior, and we've been saved from our sin and he has overlooked us, and we know that he has forgiven us. He's overlooked our sin, and we know that he has forgiven us. So why is confession necessary? Why do we have to continually um, put ourselves into this humbling position to confess to the Lord? So I looked up the the definition of confession, and it is to acknowledge to God and others, as appropriate, what that what god calls a sin we also call a sin in our lives in our thoughts and our actions so what does this really mean so if we take a look at it we have to say okay god this thing that i'm doing in my life this anger that i'm holding in my heart i know that it's not right i don't want to let go of it but when you acknowledge something you say okay it is a sin. I know that it's a sin. So now I have to do something about it. Instead of just allowing this anger to be in our heart, allowing these things to surface in our heart, in our mind, and not acknowledging that it's even a sin and not acknowledging that there is wrong and not acknowledging that, okay, this is not the way that I should be living my life. But agreeing with God that what he calls a sin is a sin. So, If we continue, um, if we continue, we have to believe that our confession is necessary. And it's necessary because these are the things that begin to unlock the chains of freedom. These are the things that begins to unlock the things that the enemy tries to keep us covered with. He tries to keep us in the dark. So if I were up here with a flashlight and I had a light shining on you guys, there, over here, this area will be dark. And this is where the light resides. Our job as Christians is to basically chase the light because the light is Christ. So I want to go to our first scripture and read 1 John 1, 6, and 7. So our first goal in this is to acknowledge, acknowledge that what God calls a sin is a sin in our lives. So it says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness of sin, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we really walk in the light, that is, live each and every day in conformity with the precepts of God, that is agreeing that what God calls a sin is a sin, as he himself is the light, we have true, unbroken fellowship with one another, he with us and we with him. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin by erasing the stain of sin, keeping us cleansed from the sin in all its forms and manifestations. So this basically tells us that our sin, I mean, our confession, I'm sorry, is necessary. Yes, we are covered by the blood. Yes, God forgives our sins. And yes, God knows our heart. But until we acknowledge, until I acknowledge that, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because we won't allow God to enter into our lives if we're not even confessing and agreeing that what you say is a sin is a sin. So, for example, I have a drinking problem. Example. (laughs) I have a drinking problem because I don't wanna deal with the fact that, um, that I have these really intense emotions from being abused as a child. And I go to alcohol for this substance that is supposed to protect me and this substance that is supposed to help me deal with these emotions. So as I'm processing this, I have to say, okay, God, this alcohol that I'm putting in place of you has begun to overtake my life. This alcohol that I have begun to put in place of you has begun to replace the worship that I would give to you, replace the emotions that I normally would have about this matter. It, It is taking your place, and I can't allow that in my life. So when we look at it as that, as being something that, something that is preventing God from entering into our life, we have to recognize and acknowledge that it is a sin. Many of us have received salvation, but we live our lives in the wilderness because we don't want to do the hard work that is required to enter into the promised land. Some of us are still running from the experiences that have broke us. Some of us are still running from the experiences that have bruised us and beat us. And over time, we begin to cover them with sin and push it to these far corners of our mind and of our hearts. And I know that because I once have lived my life in that manner. I know that because it's something that I have to battle every single day one of the greatest battles that I had to push my way out of the darkness and come out of secrecy and the wall of denial that I had built up was when I was dealing with my feelings and my emotions because of an abortion that I had 10 years ago. And even in this moment, I always think, okay, God, why do you have to keep putting this on the forefront like why do you have to why do you keep pushing me to talk about this? Why do you keep allowing this to be a part of like my everyday life? And it's not something that I dwell on but from the very beginning when I realized that okay God this is something that you did not agree with and this is something that I have to acknowledge that was a sin I have to acknowledge that I was wrong in my doing and I have to acknowledge that the actions that I took were not right. So now what? What do I do? But before I got to that place, I lived in darkness because I wanted to hide it and I didn't want people to know about it. I lived in a place that, where there were dark corners in each area of my life. And what I did instead of dealing with the emotions, what I did instead of confessing that this is a sin, I tried to cover it. I covered it with lies because I didn't want anybody to find out. I covered it with hanging out and partying with my friends. Um, I covered it with fornication. I covered it with denial. I covered it with pride. I covered it with even shame. And these are the areas that I know God wanted to shine light in my life on. But because I covered it, I didn't allow him to penetrate and allow the the compacted soil in my life to be broken up by his spirit so that he can infiltrate those areas and that he can bring nutrients and he can bring healing and he can bring growth to my roots. I compacted my own soil because I put layer of sin on top of layer of sin on top of layer of sin. So where does the Holy Spirit fit in? As I began to um, deal with this, which was literally 10 years later, God showed me that my act of confession would be the start of my healing. And I didn't understand it then, but the first step that I had to do was... um, acknowledge, like I've been saying, acknowledge that it was a sin. Um, And it wasn't until I endured a loss that God met me face to face with my actions. My husband and I were pregnant and we lost our our child, our first child um, after being married. And um, I was confronted with this and at first I thought it was a punishment. I thought that it was something that I deserved because of what I had done, but I grew to realize that in this moment, not only was this the area that God would use to build my faith in him, it was also an area that he used me, he used to put a mirror in front of my face so that I could look at what I had done and truly, truly repent for my actions. Because yes, when it happened, I was hurt. Yes, when it happened, I was broken. Yes, when it happened, I said that I was sorry. But the things that I continued to do afterwards did not reflect the sorry that I said that I was. Because I continued to fornicate, knowing that I could possibly get pregnant again. So, and that's the thing with repentance. When we repent and we forgive, we have to turn away from the sin. We have to do something different. But my repentance or my sorry wasn't sincere because I didn't allow God to enter into my life. I didn't allow the Holy Spirit to get a hold of that situation, to change me, to transform my heart and my mind. So yes, I was sorry for what I did and, and I, I knew that it was horribly wrong when I did it. But like I said, the Holy Spirit wasn't allowed to work in and through my sin so that it could bring glory to God. Um, And 10 years later, speeding up the story a little little bit, um, I was confronted with this sin after having a miscarriage, like I said. And um, for the first time in over 10 years, my husband and I had to look at each other and repent together. Um, Repent to God for the sin that we had committed Um, we fasted, and we prayed, and we were humbly humble before God. Um, And we knew that we didn't deserve anything. You know, we knew that we didn't deserve another child, but we prayed that he saw fit to bless us with one. But it got to a point to where we really looked at each other and said, Lord, have your way in my life. Have your way in our lives. If you want us to have a child, then we will have one. And that was us humbling our heart before God in true repentance and true confession to what it was that he called a sin. Um, and there were a matter of events that happened in, in between and in that story, but our, our repentance um, allowed healing to come and it wasn't a healing that took effect right away. But um, after a little while, um, we actually got pregnant again And um, I was at the altar at uh, my old church and I was being prayed over and the pastor of the church looked at me and said, your womb has been healed. I didn't even know anything was wrong with my womb. You know, I, I, I didn't know that. And it really didn't click until probably a couple years ago when I looked and I thought about that, like, Lord, you healed me. And I didn't even know that I needed healing. And there's so many areas in our life that we are struggling and we don't even realize that we need healing. There are so many areas that we are lacking because of something that someone did to us, because of a sin that we committed. And we don't even realize that we need healing in our life because we can't see the visible things. I can't see my insides. I I don't know what's going on in there, but God does. And he saw that I needed healing. And this isn't everybody's story. This isn't everybody's, um, this isn't the way that it will go for everyone. Um, but after I was prayed for, actually, we, um, I knew that I was pregnant. And we had literally just found out um, the day before. So when he told me that, it was shocking. And he told me that, um, that I was indeed carrying a child and that I should go to the doctor and everything would be well. So, um, saying all that to say that um, I believe that the message that I'm here delivering to you today is to tell you that God wants to shine a light and uncover those dark areas in your life. I believe that it was through my, that first act of acknowledging and confessing that the Lord began to shine the light on my life. Um, and it was... Um, continuation of him shining his light and me allowing him permission to shine that light and permission to um, grant him authority to enter into my life and transform the things that I knew that I not handle on my own. For ten years I had tried to handle that. For ten years I tried to handle my own emotions regarding this topic but I could not do it because I just spiral out of control. Um, I found myself doing things that were, now that I look back on, I, what was I thinking? Like, I found myself lying to cover up. I was living with my mom at the time and because I wasn't honest and truthful with her, I felt like I gotta get out of here. I found myself living in the basement of an apartment and it, it was like, when, when I think about it now, I'm like, what was I thinking? But these are the things that we do in order to hide. We hide ourselves from the people that will be praying for us, that will love us. We hide ourselves from God as if he doesn't already see what we've done. And we hide ourselves thinking that we're actually covering something up when in essence we're just damaging ourselves. In essence, we're, we're losing out on the best thing that could truly happen to us by giving those things to God and allowing his glory to shine through on those situations. So what I understand by this, by going through this, is that God wants us to acknowledge the bitterness. He wants us to acknowledge the anger. He wants us to acknowledge the jealousy and the unforgiveness. He wants us to acknowledge the overachieving and the overeating. He wants us to acknowledge the fornication, the drunkenness, and the drug abuse and any other area in your life that you've tried to patch over, you've tried to use as a patch instead of giving that hurt and that pain to Christ. We have to come face to face with the things that have been sucking the life out of us for years and for decades. And we can no longer make excuses for the sin in our life because we don't want to deal with with the emotions that will be dug up if we face this thing face to face. So there is a passage in Psalms, and it's extremely, well, not extremely long, but I didn't put it in my, um, in my presentation, so forgive me, Pastor Ann. But um, I wanna read bits and pieces of, of Psalms to you guys, because when I read this, I was blown away that there was someone in the Bible who had gone through what I had gone through. And and not in a sense of, not in a sense of, like, being where I was, but his emotions portrayed much of what I felt. And many of us um, know the story of David, but for those of you who do not, um, David was king. And... um, he committed adultery with um, one of his soldier's wives that he saw bathing on a rooftop. He called her over, he laid down with her and she got pregnant. And um, when he found out that she was pregnant, he called for her husband to come home from war to try to get him to lay down with her as well. And when the soldier refused, um, because my I, th- I believe he said that Like, how can I do that when my brothers are out for war fighting? How can I have the joy of spending time with my wife when they're over here fighting in battle? So he refused to as an honorable thing um, for his fellow soldiers. And when David realized that his plan was not going to work, he sent him back out to fight and sent him to the front line to be killed. And in this... um, the wife, the woman that he slept with, lost her husband. And David um, then married her. Um, but the, the child that they had, ber- had birthed, the child that they had conceived, excuse me, the child that they had conceived, conceived, um, the Lord told him that your child would die because of the sin that you have committed. And um, there was a an advisor that came to Nathan, a prophet that came to um, David called Nathan. And he told him this story. Um, and David was enraged. The man who did this should be killed, is what he said. And Nathan looked at him and said, you're that man. And for the first time, David was face to face with the sin that he had committed. And there is this passage in Psalms 32. God, I will openly acknowledge my evil actions and you forgave me. All at once, the guilt of my sin washed away and all of my sin disappeared. This is what I've learned through it all. All believers should confess their sins to God. Do it every time God has uncovered you in the time of exposing. For if you do this, when sudden storms of life overwhelm, you'll overwhelm, you be kept safe. Verse seven reads, Lord, you are my secret hiding place, protecting me from these troubles, surrounding me with songs of gladness. Your joyous shouts of rescue release my breakthrough. And he just goes on to say that that those who do not confess their sins um, will endure sorrows and frustrations those who do not come clean to God will endure these things and when you trust in the Lord for forgiveness his wraparound love will surround you so celebrate the goodness of God and when I read that, it's like I saw myself in that scripture I saw what God was trying to get me to see and understand that as Christians, we have to live in the light. As Christians, we have to allow the light that God shines on us to be something that exposes us, something that we um, are okay with and something that we are ready to live and to walk in. So if God is um, shining this, his light on you, like I said earlier, we have to be light chasers. If I'm shining, if God is shining his light in, in this direction, that is something that you should be running to. If God is telling you over here that you have an, an issue with anger, figure out what his word says and deal with it. If God is telling you, you have an issue with fornication or with pornography, figure it out, dig deeper into what it is that you're dealing with And allow God to use his Holy Spirit to purify you, to cleanse you. So the function of light things as they truly are. Light exposes, and we have to be willing to allow his light to expose our sinful thoughts, our attitudes, our speech, and our actions that are inconsistent with his character. It doesn't mean that we are sinless, obviously, but it means that we have to be called. It means that we have to walk in the light, and be called according to what it is that the word is telling us to do. So I once heard um, a pastor say, I believe it may have been like Darius Daniels or something, say that our feelings are indicators of our heart. So sometimes we may struggle with like determining exactly what sin it is that we have in our heart because we've been in the dark for so long that we don't even see it. So what, I, what was revealed to me as I was studying is that we can use our feelings. A lot of people think that um, our feelings are a curse from God because they can be really, really heavy on us. Those negative emotions of fear and anxiety and doubt and all these things that, that fill our mind that the enemy tries to use against us, but are actually given from God. These are things that God has given us. So how can they be a curse in our life? But the thing is, we have to use our feelings as indicators to what our heart, what's going on in our heart. When we allow them to be indicators, instead of dictators of our next thought or our actions, we begin to recognize the areas in our life that we have allowed ourselves to live in the darkness. So one of the things that that I begin to do, as the Lord has began to heal me and work on some things, Um, when I have these random emotions that really come out of nowhere or I notice that I'm I'm starting to feel something repetitively, we really have to begin to ask ask ourselves these questions. Like, why did that make me angry? Or why am I so annoyed by this? Or why am I sleeping with everybody and anybody who will give me the time of day? Or why am I anxious? Why am I emotionally like hysterical and crying all the time? Why am I self-sabotaging myself when somebody over here is literally just trying to love me? Why am I drinking excessively? Like These are the questions that we have to ask ourselves. Why do I feel numb when I should be feeling the joy of the Lord all the days of my life? And a lot of us pray, search my heart, O oh Lord, we read the scripture and we ask God to search our heart, but when he begins to reveal these things and expose us to these things that we are feeling, we make excuses for them instead. So when we're asking ourselves these questions and God exposes that you're drinking because of your father walking away from you, when you before you were born, instead we, we make excuses and say, well, you know." I don't really know how to deal with that or I do this I, I do this specific thing because he walked away from me so I should I mean it was it's his fault right he's the blame for that but instead we have to really look at ourselves and we have to reflect on these things and really seek God for our healing in these manners um, and and when we do this it will allow the Holy Spirit to penetrate. It will allow the Holy Spirit to work through those, through that, um, those barriers and those layers that we've created in our lives of sin. And we have to allow um, his work to reveal and to cleanse us. So um, my point number two is to confess and be cleansed. We know that confession... Um, as we said before is just acknowledging that um, what God calls sin is a sin so if we continue in one John um, verse 8 says if we say we have no sin refusing to admit that we are sinners we delude ourselves and the truth is not in us our word does not live in our hearts if we freely admit that we have sin and confess our sins he is faithful and just, true to his own nature and promises, and will forgive our sins and cleanse us continually. Continually. From all our our unrighteousness, our wrongdoing, everything not in conformity with his will and his purpose. If we say that we have not sinned, refusing to admit acts of sin, we make him out to be a liar by contradicting him, and his word is not In us. So if we can stand and say that we have no sin. We're calling God a liar. Because God does expose these areas in our lives. He does expose these areas in our life that we've covered up with darkness. And it's up to us to stand before him and say, Lord, I have sinned against you please forgive me. But instead, as I've said before, we run and hide as if what God has exposed in us is not true. In essence, calling him a liar. So confession of sin can help to break the powerful hold that sin has on us. And these hidden sins that we have keep us trapped in this upper layer of compacted soil that does not allow us to get the nutrients that Jesus Christ has to offer does not allow us to get the freedom that he has for us through our confession so as I was telling you guys my story um the Lord pretty much told me that yes so this is going to be something that you have to continue to share this is going to be something that you have to continue to testify and the more you testify, the more healing will take place in your own life. And why, Lord? Like, why, why would you do that to me? Why do I have to keep telling this thing that, is, that used to haunt me for so long and that is so difficult for me to— like, why do I have to keep doing that in order to be healed? And it's not a way of punishment, but what it does is it keeps cleansing me. It continues to cleanse those areas of backup, of poor drainage that I have endured for myself over the last 10 years. I kept this secret buried for so long that so much, so much built up on the inside of me that I wouldn't release because I was afraid to share. I was afraid to tell someone. I was afraid to confess to the Lord that I had sinned. And so as I continue to confess, he's continually cleansing me and he's continuing to reveal other areas in my life that I have shined, ran away from the light on, that I've pushed in these corners of darkness in my life. And he's continuing to reveal these things to me in an effort for me to deal with them. Because I believe that our heart is not something that we can flip on and off different parts of our life. So when we allow, when I allowed the darkness to penetrate my life, I just turned the switch off. I didn't want to see the effects of this thing. I didn't want to feel the effects of it. And in that, I grew numb to feelings and emotions and what God was trying to truly do in my life. So everything that came after that and followed, I was numb to. And I pretended as if it didn't bother me. And I pretended as if I was okay. And I pretended as if I was unaffected by the things in my life that happened because I turned the switch off. And it was darkness in my life instead of the light of God that was shining on these areas. So what God wants us to do is um, experience his freedom through confession. And confession is not for him because we know that he's already died for our sins. We know that he has already paid the price for the penalty of death that we deserve for sinning. But confession is for us, because like I said, it cleanses us, and it allows us to walk in freedom for the things that we have done against him. And it allows us to no longer walk in the shame that the enemy has tried to bamboozle us with and make us believe that we are not worthy of the gift of grace that God has given to us. So it's easy enough for us to say, yes, um, I had an attitude with my husband today. Or yes, I talked to the lady at the drive through like she was a child, so disrespectful. And it's easy for us to do that on these surface levels of saying, yes, I confess that I sinned. But what God wants us to do is really dive deeper. He wants us to get to the nitty gritty of why it is that we're doing the things that we're doing. He wants us to actually pick up his word and look at it and find ourselves in it. And he wants us to actually lean to him for the purifying and the cleansing of these things. So my next point is healing, breaking the silence. If we go to James 5 and 16, it says, therefore confess your sins to one another, your false steps, your offenses, and pray for one another that you may be healed and restored. The heartfelt, persistent prayer of a righteous man believer is able to accomplish much when put into action and made effective by God it is dynamic and can have tremendous power and that was from the amplified um, version so when I read this I truly thought okay well if I've confessed to you why do I have to confess to everybody else like can't this be just between me and you why does everybody else have to know And we could keep it that way, but how does God get the glory from that? We can keep it that way, but if I'm struggling with fornication, who's going to hold me accountable when somebody's in my DMs and I'm about to go slide through? Like, who is going to hold me accountable for the sin that I've confessed to God if I'm not speaking on it? And a lot of times, as well, we've wronged our brother and sister. Sin that we commit does not just affect us. The sin that we commit affects people around us. And sometimes we have to step up to the plate and apologize and confess to our brother and sister that not only have we sinned against God, but I've also sinned against you. And we have to make that a habit. We have to make that a healthy habit of coming to our brother and sister And admitting our wrong. We have to make it a habit to coming to our brother and sister to say, I'm really struggling with this. Can you pray for me? In my story, the person that I had to confess to is my mom. And as God continued to work with me through my healing, um, he told me that I would have to speak about it. And when we first started Wordsway, we were doing Testimony Tuesdays, and this was something that was prevalent in my life at the moment. And God made it very clear to me that this is what He wanted me to testify about. And although I had yet to receive all of my healing, I knew that I had been redeemed. And I knew that it was only by the grace of God that I was able to carry and give birth to a beautiful baby girl that we named Karis, which means grace. And I knew that it was only by the grace of God that I was able to stand in the position that I was in and be able to um, not feel the shame and the guilt that I walked around with for so long. But I also knew that I could not publicly announce my, my confession or publicly announce my testimony without first going to the person that I felt that I had wronged. And like I told you guys before, um, when I when I had my abortion, I lied to my mom, because I just didn't want anybody to know. I was ashamed, Um, I was filled with guilt, I was filled with um, so many emotions, but in that moment, God made it clear to me that I had to go, and I had to confess my sin to her, and I had to go apologize to her for this lie that I had um, told her. And of course, 10 years later, I didn't really know how she, how she would react. I still had this feeling on the inside of me that she would be disappointed or you know, she might feel some type of way about me. But if anybody knows my mom, those were definitely thoughts from the enemy. Um, my mom is one of the most loving and supportive people that I know, um, the person who has helped me and shaped me to be the woman that I am today. And even if I would have told her back then, 10 years ago, I know that she probably would have just looked at me and hugged me and allowed me to cry in her arms because of the pain that I was feeling. But the enemy made me feel like I had to hide it from her. So as I went to her and I confessed to her this lie that I had told her all these many, many years ago, I could feel another area of healing take place in my life. I could feel more bondage being broken off of my life because that was one less secret that I had to carry and walk around with. And as, as I begin to, to ponder these things, this is exactly what God wants us to do. Because in the church, so often, we stand here, we minister to people, we speak in pulpits, we come to church every single Sunday, and we act as if we don't sin. We act as if we don't struggle and we act as if we have it all together. But what it is that God wants us to do is he wants us to confess our sins, not just to any and everybody because everybody cannot handle our confession of sin, but he wants us to go to a trusted friend, a mature believer, somebody that we can actually go to and say, hey, I'm struggling with this. Can you pray for me? Even, even in the times that we come and we get prayer, we come with, with these vague prayers. We come with these vague prayer requests before God because we're so afraid of confessing that we're struggling with something. But as ministers of the gospel, the Bible in, in James 5, it says, The prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And how do I know how to pray for you if the only thing you're telling me is that I'm struggling right now? That, that's not going to cut it. And what, the, what God wants us to do is to be open and transparent and vulnerable in the body of Christ because we are here and we have been equipped to pray for one another and encourage one another and hold each other accountable. But we cannot do that if we're continuing to hide our sin, if we're continuing to allow the enemy to keep this blanket over everything that, that we're struggling with in our life. So I want you guys to understand that when you come for prayer, when we come for prayer, we shouldn't be ashamed of what we're struggling with. And we shouldn't be ashamed to tell a fellow brother or sister that, hey, I need you to hold me accountable because I can't do this on my own. Jesus Christ walked with 12 disciples. So why do we as Christians, as somebody who's trying to be like him, think that we can walk on this faith journey alone? essentially we need each other and we cannot do this without each other i cannot do this without the people that i have in my corner that are praying for me one thing that that god began to to deal with me on was even my transparency because it's not that i lived a lie or that i i wanted to be secret but a lot of things that i deal with i just hold on the inside and i why does anybody need to know that but god has begun to deal with me and my transparency and my husband has been my guinea pig, um, but obviously he should be some, somebody that I, I can go to in that time anyway, but I've just begun to just put it all on him. And sometimes I know he probably looks at me like, okay, that was a lot, but you know what are we gonna do about it? But I think that we all need somebody that we can be transparent with. We all need to be able to step out into the light from our darkness, our dark corners, and say, this is me. This is what I struggle with. This is what I am acknowledging that is sin, and this is what I want to be cleansed from. And when we do that, the shackles will be brought off. When we do that, deliverance will take place. There are so many of us who have received salvation, but we still are wandering around in the wilderness because we have not acknowledged that our sin is sin. There's so many of us um, who continue to wander in this wilderness, wondering, how can I grow my roots deeper? How can I draw closer to Christ? And the answer to that is to confess the things that you're struggling with. The answer to that is to acknowledge that the things in your life that are not of God is sin and not calling it a mistake not calling it something that, you know, I've just been dealing with since I was a child, but calling it sin and looking to God to cleanse and purify us through these things so that we can have deliverance and that we can confess our sins to one another and that we can be healed as the Bible says says that we will be. As we continue to reflect on these things that have held us hostage for so long, as we continue to reflect on the sin that has overtaken our life and overtaken our attitude and overtaken who we have called ourselves to be, we have to realize that Jesus is willing and he's ready to take that from you. He's willing and he's ready to provide the nutrients. He's willing and ready to provide the living water that we need and the air that we need to allow our roots to grow deeper in him. And I hope that from this moment we can take away that our confession is necessary in order to be who God has called us to be in this time. In order to unify ourselves as a church, our confession is necessary. And I pray that you all have um, received this message as God has given it to me. I pray that you guys can take my testimony and find yourself in it Find yourself in what it is that God is trying to reveal in your life and allow him the space. Allow him the opportunity to transform your life so that your soil will no longer be compacted. Thank you guys.
1: Give the lady a house one more hand. One more hand. Ah. <laughs> that should have been like a whole series almost, really. The Bible says, um, and this was a, a scripture in her lesson, that we confess our sins. <clears throat> he is faithful and just to forgive us for our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I, I, I read that and I start to think, man, what is, he's faithful and just. But if we're sinners and we don't deserve anything from him, what is he faithful and he's just for? What, what makes him to his own word? This That's the same John that wrote St. John, the Gospel of John. That's the same John that said, for, for who you love the world, he gave his only begotten son. Christ, uh, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believeth him shall not perish, shall have every That's the same John. He says he's faithful and just. What? To his own word. To himself. Because he already made a promise of redemption to you. So he said, I need confession. I need you to first acknowledge that you're a sinner and you need me. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, but I'm the guy. And first, he needs us to confess and admit that to be true. He said, I can forgive your sin. Sin is not the issue. I need you to confess it and understand you've sinned against me. I'm faithful and I'm just. I'm faithful to my word to redeem. I'm just. Somebody got to pay for the sin. I'm just justice that my son took care of that. So justice is served when you believe. Ah, that's so good. Justice is served when we believe. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior as payment for our sin, justice is served because Jesus took care of the rest on the cross. So when we acknowledge him to be Savior and we confess our sins, and we confess that we're sinning because sin is when we wronged God. So when we confess what we're saying, God, we've wronged you. We've wronged your way and your standard. We've fallen short, which the Bible says in Romans that we all have. And when we confess that, He said, "I'm just. <laughs> I can do. I can deal with the sin. I can take care of that issue. I need your confession first. And He said, "I can heal you from all uncleanness and wickedness." So that I means there's nothing that you've done that's too bad for cleansing. You ain't too, you ain't too bad off for cleansing. And we can't ever end the service without this. I want to explain that and grab that text that she, she talked about to get us to this point because we don't ever confess. Mama and daddy can't do it for us. We can't ride into heaven over what mama and daddy did. At some point in time in our lives as adults. We have to come into the the truth and confess it for ourselves. No matter what mommy and daddy taught us, my son is 19. We just put him, dropped him off at the airport to go back to Yale this morning. My other son, he's 16, 15. They're at age now where they they can accept truth for themselves. They can confess for themselves. And I don't want to end service without giving us an opportunity that if you have never Confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. This is the time I'm gonna ask everybody just please just drop your eyes for a minute. Saints, just be praying.